This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Thanks for downloading this podcast from LoveSport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at LoveSport Radio on Twitter. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow, and Nick, he's only got one jumper, Gillard, of oh, the thanks. Back of the Nest podcast. <laughs> Nick was just revealing to me that he's realised that he always wears the same jumper on a Tuesday, so he was assuring me that he does in fact have multiple. I do have more than one jumper. I'm glad we cleared I've that up. Two. You've got two, okay. But they're not exactly the same one. I know people have got two of the same jumper. That's a slightly odd odd practice that isn't it bizarre but it's nice to see that you've got a little bit of variety Uh, and we've got to catch up Nick because something we've been teasing on the show for weeks and weeks and weeks relates to felines and you of course had a heavily pregnant cat that's not some kind of awful euphemism it's just the truth (laughs) and you now have a no longer pregnant cat but some kittens yes perfect timing broke up for Easter holes Friday lunchtime heard squeaking and meowing Saturday morning, 8am. And uh, yeah, they're just three little kittens. We we haven't named them yet. I haven't even looked what uh, gender they are. Oh, um, you could so. do a reveal. You could do one of those really toxic parties where you send either blue or pink smoke up in the air. Have you seen these? Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, they're cats, <laughs> You don't mate. sound very enthusiastic. They're cats. Yeah, but it's only a baby normally and people get very excited. I suppose so. So yes. you've got three kittens. Are we dealing? What are we dealing with? Are we dealing with black cats? Are we dealing with tabbies? Jet black. Jet black. Really sleek. And the big question, of course, is are you going to keep one, two, three? We're going to keep one. Have, um, you, have you chosen your favourite? You've not named them, but you have no, got a favourite. No, we haven't yet. Um, oh. The um, Tony, Sapp, uh, Tony, who um, gave us um, Lady Dorothy as a kitten. <laughs> Great name. As a kitten. Um You've got to call one of them Toto, surely. Yeah, maybe. But uh, Lady Dorothy's mum died recently. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Oh, so a replacement. So, so the replacement is going to be the grandchild. The That's grand very cat. Nice. The, the grand cat. Gra- the grand cat. I've got this picture <laughs> of a terrifying, <laughs> looming, mythical beast. The big question, of course, Nick, without meaning to be too personal, was, was this a deliberate pregnancy? 
or was it a bit of a surprise? Had Dorothy been misbehaving? It depends whether the other half is listening or not. I think we have to assume that they aren't. Probably. Probably she has enough of my voice all day long. So, <laughs> um, I was warned that, you know, if she goes out, she'll get pregnant. And I thought, oh, one litter. Is this still the cat we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. One, okay. li- one litter will be fine. And, uh, yeah, we'll get it done now. But the dog's very put out. Oh, I can imagine. Is it is it sort of that syndrome that kids have where they have a younger si- sibling suddenly, where they were the favourite and they were the source of all the focus of the attention and now suddenly they've been usurped by these kittens? Yes, precisely that. So he's grumpy. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a shame. We're going to need updates, I'm afraid, because I, I don't have a cat. I would love to have a cat. I was actually never allowed one because my parents are allergic, so I'm very, very jealous of these kittens. My, uh, um, my friend's allergic to cats. And he has a Cornish Rex, <laughs> which is hairless. Oh, okay. oh, they're horrible, though. Yeah. Oh, you oh, flinched, then. If only we had a webcam there. No, they're there. grim. They're, oh, I can't say what they look like live on radio, but I'm sure you can imagine. They're Tell me not, in the break. <laughs> they're not very pleasant. We do, of course, have a lot of football to talk about. We will be talking Palace, but I'm also fascinated, Nick, to get your take on the Champions League because we've got two massive games going on tonight. Liverpool, of course, are hosting Porto in the first leg of their quarterfinal and it's Spurs hosting City. What do you make of those two games? Well, the first thing is you looked at the screen, just as you said, not very nice to look at. And we both looked, we both saw Ian Dowie and we both made a face. <laughs> I would rather, I was, I'm sorry, Ian, the face was not directed at you. I would like to place on record that I would rather look at Ian Dowie, that's Ian Dowie, than one of those hairless cats, a Cornish Rex. I thought you were going to say before. me then. No, Nick, no, of course, uh, I'd rather look at you than either. Tottenham Man City, yes. difficult one. Um... Well, they play a different style of football. Is it? It's a different competition. I, I seem to recall they did last time, two English teams met. And the kind of league form does go out the window a bit with this competition. Um, I've got to say Tottenham in the first leg. Um, by all accounts, their new stadium's great. Not without flaws. Seven Sisters Station is an absolute nightmare by all accounts. <laughs> uh, they got a bit upset when 3,000 Palace fans outsung 57,000 Tottenham fans yeah. from large portions of the game. And the Spurs fans were actually vaguely honest about that last week on the Spurs fan show. To be fair, Palace do make a racket, so it's not like it was Arsenal outsinging them. But still, you'd have thought they probably should have made a bit more noise. Yeah, it's, it's very difficult when they first open, though, because you don't know where the, the blocks of noise are going to be unless they've got, you know particular singing sections that people got tickets for i don't know um over the two legs i think man city are too good yeah i think i think that's the instinct but spurs have been very very good in the champions league i mean particularly against dortmund they were so so comfortable two clean sheets across both legs the only team really who made it through that round of 16 comfortably without a wobble in the first or second leg and i just think Everyone seems to be writing them off. Obviously, now I've said this live on the radio, they're going to get absolutely <laughs> spanked. I Obviously, I don't think that they're favourites to get past City, but I think they'll probably have more of a chance than people think. I think tonight we'll be looking at a kind of 2-1 City, probably. Yeah, but just looking at when we'll talk about the Palace, Newcastle Palace game, where we won, and I don't know how we won. Because mm, we'll come on to this, but and I thought the Palace defence looked quite shoddy. Yeah, and when we beat Man City mm. at their place, the, the shooting was just so terrible. We we were luck- we did well to win that game, but we were lucky to win that game because 
had players of form. All it needs is that for Tottenham to have a chance. Yeah, absolutely. You can win against the run of expectation and even against the run of play. Uh, in terms of Liverpool-Porto, Liverpool battered Porto 5-0 in Porto last season. Do you think they're going to do the same? I'm going to get slated for this on social media. Okay. I like Liverpool a lot. I like Liverpool as well. Thank you. I'm one of the only, well, we're clearly two of the only yeah. non-Liverpool fans who would rather see Liverpool win the league than City. And if you say that, everyone else who isn't from Merseyside really doesn't like you. Yeah. But yeah. you're backing but Liverpool? I like Liverpool. Maybe it's a throwback to the 70s when I used to see them and they were a worthy team. Um, Man City... It just, I don't know whether, because they've come good recently and they're owned by a country pretty much, aren't they? (laughs) Well, it does help. um, I don't know. It just, it's a bit sour. And the fact that they couldn't fill up their bit of Wembley. I know um, they did get quite a lot of support when they were down in the old league too, um, you know, 20 years ago or whenever it was. And they kept a good solid fan base, but... They just haven't got that core to to be as big a team as they want to be. I don't know how the Red Bull team in Leipzig are doing for attendances, but you know they they they're really unpopular. They're unpopular in a way that City don't really get hatred from other fans. Mm-hmm. I think it's because Chelsea kind of took that flack for having the oligarch owner before yeah. City did it. City seem to have got away with it, and now because they play such lovely football and they're glorious going forward, I think neutrals are quite happy to see them beat Liverpool because of this perception about Liverpool fans. But I agree, I, I think they sort of somehow managed to dodge a bullet. Yeah, completely. Completely. So, yeah... Um... So Man City and Liverpool are my top tips tonight. But yeah. um, well, if it's not fun, stop doing it or something about gambling. If that's my tips, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I Well, I've spent my whole day talking about Liverpool-Porto because my girlfriend is a journalist and she's off learning her trade in Liverpool at the Liverpool Echo. And she's an incredibly impressive journalist, an incredibly clever woman with lots of interests and lots of knowledge about the world. And football is not one of those areas, which is not a general point, but my girlfriend specifically has no interest. And bless her, she was sent to Anfield earlier (laughs) to wander around that part of Liverpool, interviewing people about the game. And so I've had frantic texts all day going, what do I ask them? I just go, just keep talking about Sadio Mane. It will be fine. They'll all smile and say Klopp's great. And I think it it should be comfortable for Liverpool. Of course, we will be bringing you updates throughout both of those games throughout the show. If you'd like to get in touch on any Palace-related issue or even on the Champions League, that number is 0208 70 20 558 or it's at Lovesport Radio on Twitter. And in just a moment, we'll finally talk a bit of Palace. This is Lovesport. You are listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and Nick Gillard of the Back of the Nest podcast. And Nick, just a moment ago, we were talking about Palace versus Newcastle and you said, well, we won that game, but I've got no idea how. Do you think you were lucky? Yeah, completely, <laughs> completely. So I've just had an update from DR. Um, he's on the most stressful journey he's ever been on. Right, so for those listening, Dr. Kernaz of Back of the Nest podcast, he's a regular on the show. He is on his way, but Nick, he's having some sort of crisis. Laying low underground, apparently. So um, he might he might join us and um, we can talk we Liverpool. Hope he'll join he us hates eventually. Liverpool. 
Does so we he? can just talk Liverpool at him just for a bit. Just so we don't have to... He's all right. He's not having a breakdown or anything. We don't, no, we don't need to send train. help. The train has had the breakdown, I see. Yeah. Well, Palace avoided a breakdown against Newcastle, and it seems that you're suggesting they were quite fortunate to do so. The score of the game was, of course, 1-0, and Milivojevic penalty won by Zaha. But what scoreline could it have been? About 8-3. <laughs> to Newcastle. Yeah. Um, Gaeta had one of those weird games where he made some excellent saves. He's actually made it into the, somebody's Premier League team team of the week. I don't know which one's the um, the authoritative one, but let's... I don't think any of them are authoritative unless they come from Love Sport Radio, Nick. Oh yes, of course. And um, but he was a bit flappy at times and lacked a bit of confidence. Um, Dan, uh, sorry, um, Tomkins and Kelly, bless them, all over the shop, um, allowing free headers here, there, and everywhere. Um, no Kuarte to, to hold things up at the beginning. Um, Andros, it was good that he was back. Um, I know we're going to come out to, to different performances, but who did well and whatever. But we just didn't seem to be at the races at all. No, and it's a staggering stat that Palace won this game with just three shots. That's not shots on target. That is shots full yep. stop. No team has won a game in the Premier League with fewer shots this season. Beyond that, if you want to talk about the shots on target, it was just one, which is the penalty. Mm. So from open play, there was not one moment in which Martin Dubravka was tested. Does that worry you? And why was that? I think we were we were stuck defending quite a bit. Um, we're looking for the out ball all the time, which isn't happening. Um, I mean, the only reason that Wilf was able to get up the pitch and win his penalty was some brilliant tackling by Bissaka and, you know, it came loose to him and we were on the break there. But it seemed to be that um, the left-hand side, um, where Van Aanholt was, um, he was great going forward again, but I think he's been been spotted that he's a bit of a weak link at left back and you've been quite critical of him <laughs> over the past few weeks Nick are you getting to a point where you essentially don't see him as a defender because we keep talking we were talking last week about his excellent finish against Huddersfield the fact that actually he's very cool in a one-on-one situation he offers this great outlet going forward but this is not the first time you've mentioned him getting caught short defensively no um I don't know what we do there. I mean, we've got, as we've said before, Jeff Schlupp can can slot in there. So I could never say that then. Jeff Schlupp can slot in there. And um, I don't know, maybe moving further forward and maybe interchange them. But yeah, we've, we've got to be watching him because it's, it's not that brilliant. But I wouldn't say he's the highest priority if we were going to... Um, Recruits to the squad, yeah. Mm. With with Schlott, Schlott moving back there, we're both having problems yeah. with Jeffrey today. Let's go with Jeffrey. If Jeffrey were to move back to left back, which is obviously one of the fifty three positions where at least nominally he can play, do you think he'd be more solid? Because we've seen positional problems with him as well. As long as he was given good instruction of where he needs to be, because with the positional problems, we don't know if that's due to him following Roy's instructions because we thought earlier on in the season he was kind of meant to be playing out on left but was drifting in field quite a lot so it was leaving the left hand side a bit loose um yeah it was unfortunately the last time he played left back 
the opposition scored within kind of 35 seconds of um, <laughs> Van Arnholt coming off and he hadn't even had time to run back to position, I think. Um, so he was a bit bewildered there. I don't know. But at least we're safe so we can experiment. Yes. And the only good thing to come out of the game, really. So is that now what you're looking to for the rest of the season? Because I've been asked this a lot, actually, by various members of Love Sports staff. James Gray, of up front with James Gray, was asking me only earlier... Well, how should Palace approach the rest of this season? How do the fans feel about it? Is it a case of trying to push as high up the table as you can? Or because Europe's not a possibility? Is it more about, as you seem to be suggesting, experimentation? Are there any young players you'd like to see feature? James Daly would like to see play up front. Although, that said, I'd like to see more of Benteke up front, uh, starting games. Batshuayi, I don't know how much we're paying for him um, to warrant him playing. Um, and the defender whose name is completely... Oh, Luke, not defender midfield, Luke Dreyer is meant to be pretty good coming through. So I'd like to see some of those. We've had Woods on the bench. I think he's another defender that might get a, a slot. But yeah, there's, it, it, it's tricky. We're, we're still trying to solve that midfield conundrum, aren't we, of Kuarte, Mayer... MacArthur. Well, we come back to it every week. I think Mayer must be the most said word on the Crystal Palace fan show on Love Sport Radio because we all want to see him do well. And he comes with this reputation, that hype of having been this highly rated wonder yep. kid at Schalke, coming through as supposedly this great hope of German football. He's not quite done it. And I, I keep asking this, but I'm going to keep asking it. Do you think it's a case of that he's going to come good? Or is it actually that Palace need another central midfielder despite on paper looking pretty well stocked in that area the hope is that he comes good i'm not a fortune teller i haven't got a crystal <laughs> ball i don't know if he's already peaked but what you've not got your tea leaves with you today no here. no um i don't know why you just remind me of instant tea which was the worst thing in what the world is instant ever instant tea you used to get it from some vending machine in factory, <laughs> and it was supposed it was like powdered tea, but it was. The, the... So what? It would it would just dissolve straight into water. Yeah. Why do you need to powder tea? What? I'm I'm so lost here because tea is like little cut up tea leaves, right, in a bag, and you put the water in. It's so straightforward anyway. It's not like yeah. you're cutting out some complex process. I don't know. Anyway, where were we before I got into tea? <laughs> powdered tea, um, Maya. Friday, I know, Saturday morning, somebody tweeted, Crystal Palace fan tweeted, a sad old Max Meyer at the ticket machine at Newcastle Station. Oh, really? He was there personally? Buying a ticket back. So he wasn't on the bus? He was on the bus, but he, he was going home again. Apparently he was unwell. But according to uh, our Mr. Kerner, as our underground man at the moment, DR, <laughs> yeah, he's gone undercover. As there were some some rumours that he was at the Drake concert the night before at the O2. Right, which are obviously just rumours, just allegations that I'm sure yes. he would deny. So hang on, he he travelled with the squad. Yep. And he went there with the squad on the coach. Yep. But he didn't go back to London through that means of no, transport. No, he went home before the game. Oh, so he wasn't even wasn't no, even on the bench. Wasn't even on the bench. So, um, so if he was at Drake, and we must stress that is just rumor, but is the implication perhaps not from you, not from me, but from the good people of Twitter that his unwellness was perhaps to do with that? 
Quite possibly. I mean, if I saw Drake, I think I'd be unwell. <laughs> For how long? How long would it take you to recover? Oh, I don't know. I'd have to put some other music on to... What about if you saw Ian Dowie holding a skinless cat? How long would you be ill for then? He's thinking. He doesn't want to think about it. We'll move on. Yeah. Yeah, so, I just like the fact that Accrington play at the Wham Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, something about guilty feet. Hopefully they, they have yeah. got rhythm for Accrington this evening. In terms of that Maya thing, we will never, I suspect, learn whether he was at Drake or not, which is not something I was mm. expecting to say this evening. If he was, do you think that's a big deal? Is that, is that... Yeah, it's the night before a game. So if it wasn't the night before the game, it would be all right, but just the fact that he should have been focused. Yeah. What if he went to Drake and then was tucked up in bed and didn't drink any alcohol or any of that? Well, he'd have to get a helicopter out of the O2 because it's murder. <laughs> surely if you're some kind of vip i bet they've got some clever little entrance that they can squeak off out of early personally yeah maybe you got let out the tradesmen's at the back i don't know but um like i said it's a complete rumor so there's probably no truth in it at all but it was it was kind of nice when it was doing the rounds and it kind of fits the story also you, you, you can't i know football is in the past you used to have a pint at lunchtime before the game didn't they Yes, they did. and None. But it was a different culture, you know, in, in the same way that employees used to have a pint at lunchtime. And I don't think I know anyone in my generation who would ever consider going to the pub halfway through at work, partly because we get sacked. I mean, if I, I OK, my I don't have a lunch hour because my working day starts at two o'clock. But I think if I walked into work, having self-evidently been at the pub, my employment probably wouldn't last for all that long. Indeed, indeed. Which I suppose, I'm sure Max Meyer hasn't been doing that, but uh, an interesting rumour, and interesting as well, that a Premier League footballer, quite encouraging really, that a Premier League footballer would have to get the train back, not just a taxi all the way. It's actually quite frugal. Yeah, yeah I thought you were going to say it's quite refreshing that a Premier League football doesn't like Phil Collins. <laughs> Because then I'm going back in the day because they all like Phil Collins in Smash It's or Shoot. They used to interview the footballer. Oh, really? Favourite artist, Phil Collins. Well, we've Always. had lots lots of old music because, of course, you mentioned that Accrington play at the Wham Stadium. My producers just got in my ear and said, Accrington need to have faith that they'll pull out a result. Thank you, David. Shocking. He's then doubled down with to look back to their form last Christmas. None of this is even remotely acceptable. So I'm going to move us back to the Champions League very quickly. We've got some team news for you from Liverpool and Porto. For Liverpool, it's Alisson, Alexander-Arnold, Lovren, Van Dijk, Milner, Henderson, Fabinho, Cater, Salah, Firmino and Mane. Klopp is not messing around. That is pretty much the strongest Liverpool eleven he could have fielded. Of course, uh, Andy Robertson is missing, but he's probably the only place you'd strengthen there. For Porto, Casillas, Pereira, Felipe, Militiao, Teles, Otavio, Danilo, Torres, Corona, Jesus Corona, the Mexican international who is lethal cutting in, very two-footed, Musa Morega, who's in good goal-scoring form, and Francesco Suarez. Uh, and in that game between City and Tottenham, it's that London feature. It's an all-English affair for Spurs. It's Lloris, Trippier, Alderweireld, Vertonghen, Rose, Winks, Eriksen, Sissoko, Ali, Kane and Son Hyun-min. And for City, it's Edison, Walker, Otamendi, Laporte, Delft, 
Gundogan, Fernandinho, Silva, Mares, Aguero and Sterling. So no place in the starting 11 for Leroy Sane. Both of those games kick off at 8 o'clock. We'll have updates for you through all of them. But coming up, we're going to talk Benteke. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and Nick Gillard of the Back of the Nest podcast. And for anyone worried about the location of DR Kernaz of this show and also of Back of the Nest, don't worry, he's still on the train. It's moving slowly. I'm told he's five minutes away and he's just bumped into Max Meyer on the train. So who could have thought that? Where's he going to? Max Meyer. Who's gigging tonight? I, I was about to say, I've heard there's a Drake concert somewhere in, I don't know, probably Frankfurt, so he's off there. Uh, <laughs> one man who's been on and off the pitch frequently, often featuring as a substitute, is Christian Benteke. Again at the weekend, he was introduced, not in the starting eleven, and did impact the game. The question now is, should he be in that eleven? Yes. Is it that straightforward? For me, it is. Um... I don't know whether Batshuayi's got a clause in his loan deal that means he plays. Um, Batshuayi is not without his merits. He's a very skillful player. Scored a couple of goals for us. But unless we're definitely looking at keeping him next year, we we need to um, get get Tekas ready, Ben Tekas ready. Um, he made a complete difference when he came on. Different style of football to to Batshuayi, but we actually picked up again. And we we played well the last 10, 10, 15 minutes compared to the rest of the game. He was a focal point. He could win the ball. He 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 was full of strength. He was getting in good positions. Um, there was one moment where um, I think it was PVA might have crossed a lovely ball to him. We, it was a three-on-three three break, and Benteke peeled out to the right. The ball went out left. Uh, a chipped ball came in, and Benteke, rather than sort of getting control of the ball and and slotting it home, just seemed to slide, and it just looked so. Yeah, that was a inept. bad miss because it was a really good chance. Yeah. Do you think he? It looked like he was in two minds. It looked like he was thinking he was going to hit it, and then he thought he'd take a touch, and then he sort of fell over. Yeah. What exactly. should he have done, do you reckon? Well, I said, controlled the ball and, and slotted it home. Uh, you know, any other play, you'd think, oh, yeah, it's one of those things. But you do wonder if he's cursed. But despite not scoring goals, I do think we look better. Yeah. And if Benteke is to start, is that 
a case of dropping Batshuayi? Or is it perhaps even an option for Roy to tweak the system, which I know is something that Dia is quite keen on, and perhaps we could see the two Belgian strikers operating together? That would be lovely, but with with Roy, we don't seem to be getting getting that. But that said, we 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 weren't really safe before, so it depends how much Parish wants the money, how much he wants to um, to risk. Um, and well, did you? I sent you a, a video link. Yes. an interview with Ian Holloway. Yeah, which I've watched. Very, very interesting. Holloway talking about the difficulties, first of all, of operating without a chief scout at Palace and constantly yeah. being sent names by Parish, going, what about this guy? And Holloway sort of going, well, I haven't heard of him. Yeah. And then <laughs> saying he had to sit up all night watching and going, yep, no, which is difficult anyway, because we all know that YouTube is about the most misleading tool when it comes to football. He may have had more sophisticated yeah. means, of course. Uh, but yes, yeah, striking that he was having to operate in that way. And he also revealed something quite interesting about Steve Parrish's negotiating style, shall we say. He's definitely a money man, isn't he? Mr. Yeah, which Parrish. is one way of putting it, yeah. Um, and maybe it was naivety on Holloway's part, not getting anything signed, what the story was uh, from Holloway's perspective, because I'm, I'm, you know, Steve Parrish isn't here to defend himself. Yeah, and we so. have only heard one side. And we've only heard one side. Um that he thought he'd be getting more money or, or something for, for getting them up. Yeah. Um, they shook on it, but no contract was actually signed. So Steve kind of said, well, you're not a businessman, are you? Yeah. So, the way Holloway tells it, he basically had agreed that, yeah, there'd be a bonus after promotion and that if yeah. he was sacked after promotion, his release fee, if you like, would be higher. And so when he came to ask for that, Paris said, what do you mean? Where's, show me show me the clause, show me the contract. And he said, well, it was your word. I took your word yeah. and we shook hands. And he basically spins it as Paris saying, you're a mug, mate. We obviously have no way of knowing if that's true or not. But that, Back to the point with the, 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 the relevance to your question was where do we want to finish in the league? And if Parrish is all about the money, money, mm. then he's going to want to finish as high as possible. So will he allow Hodgson to experiment? So Hodgson might be, his hands might be tied. I don't know. Do you think Parrish is the kind of upper operator who likes to influence what his managers does? Do you, do, do you think he's constantly in Hodgson's ear going, play him, play him? switch to a 4-3-3 or do you think he trusts him lets him control his own setup there used to be a bit of that in the past from what I can make out um, I'm not sure whether Hodgson would stand for that no but we don't know it's, it's just conjecture in terms of Walsh's uh, Parish, sorry Parish's alleged negotiation or lack thereof with Holloway as a Palace fan does that bother you that he's, he's being accused of effectively he's being accused of being dishonourable by a former employee? Or is there an element of that that's encouraging in the sense that the man is there to make the club money, to run it responsibly? We'll be discussing later on in the show as to whether that's going on, given the release of the financial figures. But do you like to see someone perhaps being slightly underhand if it means the best for Crystal Palace Football Club? I'll answer your question with a question. How many nice people do well in business? I suspect the answer is very few, although I haven't done very well in business and I'm not a nice person. So, <laughs> you know, it's not as straightforward. <laughs> no, as if I know, you're but evil, was, you'll make money. Yeah, yeah, obviously, that's a bit black and white there. But I suspect he's done well for himself because of that. 
Yeah, well, there must be an element of it, mustn't it? Because yeah. you, you must need an edge, a sort of ability to divorce emotion and politeness from what you're doing. That is the job. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of... That's uh, Milivojevic's, uh on his job description as well. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm not going to be nice to you. That's, yeah. that's not my role. I'm here to kick you and lead my yeah. team and also score a billion penalties a season. No, it's only, it's only 10, but that is, There's that is quite... There's a people getting upset about the amount of penalties we're winning, but I'm sure we'll come on to that later in the show. Yeah, we'll discuss that in just a moment, actually. I want to talk about the potential for Hodgson experimenting, which is something you just touched on. And obviously, with Tompkins out injured, there is... The question of whether to go with young Sam Woods or perhaps look to an older, more experienced. This is Love Sport. It's the Crystal Palace fan show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow, and Nick Gillard, and da, 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 <laughs> DR Kernaz of Back of the Nest. He's off the train. They've let oh, him off. Uh, yeah. And you're safe. You're alive. You're well. Yeah, you look happy. I am. Um, I look happy, but inside I'm just exhausted. <laughs> it's like a 15 minute journey took an hour. And it wasn't. I, know, I normally get annoyed when it's of like in situations such as when someone's ill or something like that, but it was just. A train problem, really. That's it. No one's ill or anything. And a 15-minute ju- uh, journey journey took an hour, and I can't even speak because I'm out of breath. No. Well, we appreciate yeah. you getting here. <laughs> yeah. I Every time it happens to me, I consider moving to Japan, where if a plane is 10 seconds late, you get a ticket to show your employer that it wasn't your fault because <laughs> the trains are so regular that they can be trusted down to a T. Talking of things that can be trusted and regular, James Tompkins has been in very good form this season. He is now out injured, and there's this question of who do you call in, who do you call up to replace him? Yeah, so there's Scott Dan, of course, that's the obvious replacement, and there's Sam Woods. We ran a poll on our social media account, and the majority of the people, around I think 59%, went with Scott Dan. Um, me personally, I would go with Scott Dan for the for two factors. One, we've got Man City coming up, and yes, um, Wan Bissaka came in against Tottenham and done a fantastic job, but still, I wouldn't risk putting Sam Woods against Man City, who are eager to win the title. And also, um, Scott Dan, he's coming off a very bad injury, just like Ben Teke, and he needs some playing time just to get his confidence back up. And I think this is a very good opportunity for him from now on until the end of the season to show what he's made out of and um, hopefully go back to how he, was, how he was playing before his injury. Yeah, I mean, he was poor Saturday, wasn't he? Uh, Scott Dan? No, sorry, um, Tom uh, Kent. Oh, well, the... The whole back four. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess Huddersfield. Yeah, Huddersfield. Sorry, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, I think as fans, we're just jumping on his back a bit too early. Um, because we we have to realise he didn't play for around 300, 300 and how many days? Nearly a year, basically. Yeah. Nearly a year he hasn't played, and that's a very, very long time. And it can be physically draining and also mentally draining. So we have to take that into consideration as well. And for that factor only. I think it's a good opportunity because there's no nothing that we're really playing for. We can look up the table a bit, but there's no real uh, thing that we're playing for. You can argue maybe top 10. So so this is the perfect opportunity for him to go out there and just slowly get back to his rhythm and find his rhythm again because it just, as you said, he hasn't played that great since he has come back. But I don't really blame him because what are we expecting from a person who has been out for you, who just comes back and starts playing as they've done beforehand? Hardly anyone. It's just so hard. Yeah. He'd have done well on just a minute there, wouldn't he? Because there was no Did, repetition, was no there deviation. No, I think he'd have used the word the at least. Well, you're allowed to what? use that. What happened? Yeah. What? 
You, you obviously don't listen to highbrow radio, do you? <laughs> do you? Yes, he does. He's on one. He's oh, on, yes, yeah. He's on a highbrow <laughs> radio show right now. Uh, and we'll continue our highbrow conversation looking at the weekend's action. And we've got to talk about this penalty, right? So mm. Wilfred Zaha gets clattered. It is, as the old cliche goes, stone wall. One player has a nibble at him. He stays up. He could go down. He carries on. He then does just get knocked over. The referee gives a penalty. Milivojevic scores, as we expect him yeah. to. And people are still calling Zaha a diver. Where's this coming from? It's the reputation from the media, really. Um, yep. they, they've always framed Zaha as a diver. And there have been some penalties where you look at it and you might be, you might say, oh, he fell down a bit too easily. But if you actually look at where the contact has come from, sometimes it just comes below blow blow the body just on a little touch on his on his on his uh, belly for instance or his back can just drop him down because he's going at full speed and I don't understand where the complaints are coming from Saturday against uh, Newcastle because it was a clear penalty even Yedlin after I didn't complain he just stood back and just said you know what it is a penalty there's nothing I can do it was poor from me it was a great bit of skill for him to stop suddenly knowing that the um, defender was coming in because there was no way the defender could have stopped in time. Maybe the defender should have seen it coming, but it was definitely a penalty. Just a touch on what you were saying about it only takes a tiny touch on the side. He, he said in a in an interview with Chris Grierson, didn't he, that it was um, that you you are going full pelt, yeah. and you know the slightest touch is going to have a bigger impact than if you're just jogging along. I don't know if many people touch his belly, as I said. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm slowly getting back into rhythm, just like Scott Dan. Um, but yeah, as it's not only Zaha. For instance, players like Sterling, who aren't built, uh, they, they haven't got the most muscular built. They're just mm. very lean and they're very fast. So when a player's going at full speed and you just touch them, they will fall down. It's just, you have to be in that position to proper understand. But if you just go out there on your garden right now in your garden or just go to play Sunday league football and just run at full pace and let someone touch you then you'll probably notice then but many people forget about something like that I keep thinking you're about to suggest that we trial this Dio we <laughs> well we can get, go to we, can, yeah, we, can we go, go outside. outside the studio <laughs> and we can get Dio running full tilt and oh. Nick can just kick his ankle I'm ready out of breath what happens. Yeah, I'm ready yeah. out of breath Maybe might be quicker than, run. quicker than the tube actually. and then, and then yeah. next week we'll do the bicycle where I put a stick in the front spoke <laughs> <laughs> yeah which um, we We'd have moved away from the footballing relevance, but it would still be good for a yeah, laugh. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Um, you were saying about um, Wilf's build. Look at 17-year-old Wilf compared to Wilf now. The, the physique yeah, he has definitely compared, changed. he's definitely a lot, lot stronger. Yeah, yeah, he's a lot stronger. I understand so what it is mean. hard um, to knock him off the ball. It's not like he's... But know. this this wasn't some kind of shoulder-to-shoulder exactly. impact, he was though. He's just getting kicked. No, yeah. but he, he did well to win that. I thought it, he, he won, it, won it well. But he didn't buy it. No, it, it was it was a simple kick, yeah. but still, because of the reputation that Zaha has, which is out of his hands because of the media, there's it, always been this thing about Zaha diving. He that's why fans are just go, getting at him because they don't even look at the penalty. They don't actually look at the penalty. They just think, oh, it's Zaha, he must have dived. I think you're bang on there. But do you think there's a bit of a smoke and fire situation here? In that, do you think that reputation for Zaha is completely unfounded, or actually has he done this in the past? Show me the evidence. Yeah, that's what I, I feel like no, in no, some no. kind of no, we <laughs> high keep, budget yeah. law drama. <laughs> yeah, we get this argument it. on Twitter all the time. Mm. Okay, Zaha's a diver. Excuse me. Show me a clip of him diving, and they can't. Is that it's just simple as that? 
show they me cannot. If they could show us a clip, we'd go, yeah, fair cop. Mm-hmm. Um, if they could show us a clip where it maybe looks like it was a little bit of a dive, fair enough, I can live with that. But not one person has shown a clip of Wolf diving. So we're saying it's completely unfair. Yeah. For example, look at the Arsenal game at home, uh, Palace versus Arsenal. Where yeah, he, he was a penalty of diving there yeah. and he didn't. And Xhaka, the player who fouled him, even he went, uh, um, went after the game and said, it, I fouled him. It was not a dive. But the only still, person at fault for that penalty was Unai Emery for playing Granite Xhaka at left back. I don't know what he thought was going to happen. But still, it, people still accused him of diving, even though the player who actually did foul him say that, you know what, it was a foul, it was not a dive. But people will always continue saying that because of the reputation he has, unfortunately. Absolutely. And Wilf winning the penalty is only half of the equation because it's still got to get tucked away. Milivojevic, of course, did that again at the weekend. It's 10 penalties he's scored for the season so far. There's a fairly staggering stat to emerge from that game, which is that Milivojevic has scored 13% of all the penalties scored in the Premier League this season. (laughs) He's incredibly precise. Palace are getting a lot of them. And why do you think he's so successful from 12 yards out? I think it's due to practice because uh, you always hear um, how he practices it at the training ground. Um, yeah. The only penalty which he really crumbled at was the Man City at home, the nil-nil draw. I feel yeah. like the pressure got to him a bit. But apart from that, the man is fantastic. You give him a penalty, he will tuck it away. Uh, apart from the Man City one. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, but, so, yeah, he's chasing, I think, AJ's record. Uh, yeah. Which is the, the the Premier League record, but they only seem to be going back to Gerrard for some reason. I don't know, big club bias. Um, the, of course, the reason he's scoring them is if he knows he misses one, then it's Christian's turn. <laughs> yeah, and you don't <laughs> want that happening, do you? <laughs> it could go into Rosette. So he scored 10, missed one, which was against City. That's a 90.9% conversion rate, which is extraordinary. Palace have received 11 penalties this season. That is the one table that you are on top of, is penalties received. Uh, United in second with 10, then Bournemouth with 9. So no big club bias there. Uh, Bottom of the table, poor old Huddersfield. They've had one. Watford have had one. Burnley have had two. And it's something Sean Dyche has actually complained about quite a lot. To be fair to Huddersfield, they're very rarely in the opposition penalty area (laughs) which which is a problem and very rarely travelling at speed when they are (laughs) (laughs) with Palace is this just a coincidence if if Wilf isn't diving and Wilf is winning most of them is it just the fact that you happen to be getting kicked in the box a lot or actually is there I'm not saying there's diving or any kind of bad behaviour going on but are there other factors at play for why you're winning quite so many I just think it's, um, it's just too Wilf. good for them. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just Wilf being too good for them. You look at the penalties he's won this year. It's just uh, there hasn't been any controversial ones that comes into my head. I don't know if I'm thinking that way because I may I may be a bit biased towards Palace, but all the penalties seem like it's been deserved and they've helped us a lot this season with penalties. I think you sometimes underestimate um, how much they've impacted our results. We've relied on penalties so much this season. And let's say we had five penalties instead of, is it 11 or how many? 10 this 11, season. we've scored 10. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's say we only had five of them. Then where would we be right now in the league? I actually don't know because I have to look at penalties and who were they against and what the results were when we took them. But I'm pretty sure we'd be in a tougher position right now if it weren't for the penalties than Of course, because we, right we were struggling to score from open play. Was there a couple of seasons ago that we were winning quite a lot of penalties and Wolf was getting stick? But when AJ was banging them in, um, 
there came to a point where people were moaning that we were getting so many penalties that the refs were becoming reticent to actually give them. Yeah, but which which kind of I feel, went against us a bit, I think. I feel like nowadays it's a bit too hard. Like if it's a penalty because of TV and social media, you just have to give it. It's the refs can't go half-hearted about it. And we've seen it this season. We've got way more than enough penalties. And of course, with the advent of VAR coming up as well, it will become more straightforward. And those accusations of diving that are still being levelled at Wilf will have to either be proved correct yeah. or go away because we will all get a second view of it, including the referee. Coming up, Wilf was impressive, but who were the other winners and losers from the game at the weekend? This is Love Sport. It's the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio and it's that time of the show where we look at the winners and losers from the weekend's fixture. We've already touched on Wilfred Zahar who was again instrumental in winning a penalty. Was he the standout performer for you two? There was Arwan Bissaka, but he's bang average. As he we is bang about average. Last we keep week. saying <laughs> this. <when laughs> so no one should be interested. So I won't include him this week. But um, not even the fact that he was the one that got the ball to get the ball to Wilf to run up the pitch. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. It doesn't really matter, Nick, because he's so that average. That was an anomaly. But yeah, yeah he's so, it never happened. <laughs> so average. Never yeah. wins a tackle. Yeah, he was, not, he, was, he was part of the Premier League team of the week once again, which is... You know, average. Which one? Because we were talking about the Premier League team of the week. He wasn't in the one I looked at. Oh, he was he was in a one from who scored. All oh, right, okay. Yeah. So um my other winner, apart from Zaha and Wambisaka, probably has to be Vicente Gaeta. I feel like I don't know if you guys talked about him earlier on, but I feel like he's had his moments at Palace. You look at the Watford game and even you look at the Newcastle game, some of his decisions are questionable at times. But what separates him from Wayne Hennessy, which I'm comparing to because that's how the goalkeeper realistically Jules is out of the equation, is that when it comes to big saves, he delivers. And he delivered once again against Newcastle. He also delivered against Huddersfield. I think he had a fantastic performance um, once again. And Don't if, forget that save at Tottenham that was just oh yeah, incredible. I, exactly. But still, he's had his moments. And that's the thing. He, he hasn't reached his peak. And I feel like... That's due to, one, he hasn't played a full season and also he's moved to the Premier League. But once he reaches that full peak and hopefully his uh, mistakes minimise, I think he's going to be an absolutely brilliant goalkeeper and other people in the Premier League are going to notice that as well. Unfortunately, goalkeeping is a position where you can play into your 30s and, and still get better. Exactly. So that's a positive. And Vicente yeah. hasn't played a full season with us because at the start, it was Wayne Hennessy's... Um, position to to really much um to win and he managed to win it at the end of it he's now our number one goalkeeper and i can't emphasize this enough he's had his moments but he has delivered as well yeah which is what makes him a good goalkeeper yeah i mean, I mean he he'd be my winner were it not for the the couple of flaps that he had yeah that's what in I'm the saying, newcastle yeah. game my my winner is definitely wilf i thought he had his best game for ages yeah um but the, the biggest winner, and you don't say this this often, but the um, the officials oh, yes. got both the offside goals spot on. Um, the game went, you know, it wasn't a niggly game, but uh, the, the game flowed quite well. It, it was spot on with the penalty. Yeah, don't say that we still don't need VAR. 
We still need it. I know no, they had don't. a good game. Yeah. Oh, this one good performance from the refs. I mean, credit, you have to give credit when it's due. I said it on the review pod as well. Um, referees, they always get criticised. So I feel like we have to give them, we have to appreciate what they've done when they've done something good. And on Saturday against Newcastle, both decisions were correct and they just let the game keep flowing. So it was it was a very good game from them. But it doesn't mean that we don't need VAR. We still need VAR. That's just simples. <laughs> yeah, simples. That's a simple fact. Yeah, it's like, like Theresa May is in the studio <sighs> with me. Uh, those are the winners. We've had a positive look, even at the referees, which is nice given how hard the job they do is. In terms of losers, who didn't impress you? Um, Jeffrey Slot and James MacArthur. I think I'm going to lean more towards Jeffrey Slot rather than James MacArthur due to the fact that Newcastle were constantly targeting our left-hand side and... Uh, Patrick Van Aanholt was just isolated at times and I felt like it was Jeffrey Slup's responsibility to go back and help him, which he did at times, and then other times he wasn't there to be seen. So I felt like overall his performance wasn't the greatest um, and yet he didn't get substituted, but I'm not going to go into that. I feel like Roy you know, Roy likes him and he has his favourites and Jeffrey Slup is one of them, but I don't feel like he had the greatest of performances against Newcastle. Losers. Um, I don't know, because um, none of them were, were particularly brilliant, apart from the one who's never any good, AWB, and then Will. Average. And Ang- yeah. Andros did all right. Um, I I think the fans were losers, going all that way to watch us play that badly. <laughs> I know, know we won. I know we won. But <laughs> the performance... The performance was rubbish, but absolutely that's rubbish. A... If Newcastle could shoot on target or ahead, we'd have been stonked. I said it earlier in the game, and I almost wish that we'd got beat because I know we're safe now, but that means, oh, everything's all right, we can just carry on as we're going, now we're safe. But actually, we need a good kick up the bum to, to get Roy to change his ways. So in some ways, a win could be a loss. Well, that's the players. Why would you blame the supporters? I feel bad for them. He's not blaming the supporters. I'm saying saying they're losers. The supporters lost out in the sense of seeing a bad performance. But as a fan, would you rather see your team play badly and get three points or play well and get battered? Having been on the opposite end of that kind of game Mm. a few times, it's nice to see it happen to somebody else. I must say that. (laughs) But yeah, I know know the, the points are all important, but we've... I'm just going to start a rant about the the season's over and we're not even halfway through April. How dull. How dull. The highest we can finish mathematically is ninth or something like that. What have we got to play for? What's the point of the rest of the season? We are not playing for anything. We're not fighting relegation. You've got the same top five or six teams that will finish in the top six. And it's just, what, what are we playing for, dear? What's the point? We're playing for the sake of playing, <laughs> if that makes sense. We're playing because we've got games left in the Premier League. And as you said, top 10 is still a possibility, but it's going to be very hard getting there because we've still got Man City next game and then we've got Arsenal. If we, if um, we did make and, top 10, would that, wouldn't that mask just how bad some uh, things have been? Or does it show the quality in the Premier League below that top six isn't as good as it was because everybody's beating each other? Sort look, of. I'll say this, um, Palace fans have had many lows and this season, (laughs) yeah, and this season, and this season, even going into the game against Newcastle, 
I really didn't want to watch it anyway. I was I've been bored of watching Palace somewhere. I spoke with um, Chris from the review show as well, and he said the same thing. It's like it's a bit boring due to how we're set up and how we play out there. It just sucks the soul out of you. So in that instance, I know what you mean that we don't really have anything to play for, and it's been a tedious season because we've pretty much been 14th all all season long. We haven't really pushed for a top 10 finish. We've just been stuck 14th and bang average. That's it. So if you're looking at the rest of the games, I think this is the right opportunity to slightly put some hope into fans and just push on for a top 10 finish because we haven't had the opportunity. And that's what makes it frustration as if we did play good and you know drop down just like Bournemouth, then fair enough. At least we challenged and then couple things went wrong in the second half of the season but then again we nothing it's just been the same old thing it's the same old thing boredom for palace but not here on the crystal palace fan show stay with us this is love sport yes it's the crystal palace fan show here on love sport radio you're with me johnny burrow and nick gillard and dr kernaz of the back of the nest dr has finally been released from london's underground network and we have the exciting news for you that we're underway in tonight's champions league action liverpool taking on porto and tottenham hotspur hosting manchester city gents how are we feeling about these games how do we think they're going to go oh it's exciting i think um Liverpool against Porto and Porto's the underdogs but Liverpool already know that they're going to have to play the air game because Pepe said that we're going to win it fourth time um, I already won three times with Madrid and I'm going to win it with the fourth time with Porto so it's exciting and of course the um, Man City Tottenham game that's going to be electric at the new stadium looking forward to it I'm, I'm coming away from I'm going to the championship what's happened to West Brom yeah, so we've also got some Championship League One action, which I was going to come on to in just a moment. West Brom actually went a goal down immediately away at Bristol City. That's after their defeat, of course, in the derby. Slipping away from them now, the playoffs. You could argue, if you're being ungenerous, that this is what happens when you sack your manager for no good reason. But there we go. Um, yeah. Other <laughs> results, particularly with a focus on our London clubs. Wickham Wanderers uh, are hosting Charlton Athletic. Still nil-nil there in League One. Uh, no score in any other games apart from that one in the Championship. Roughly 18 minutes in there. Uh, and England's women are winning against the Spanish women. One goal to nil at half time. It's coming home. <laughs> it's, coming, it's, it's always coming home, dear. Yeah, you know it's it's, we we're at a point now, yeah. right? Well, we don't even need to say it. Gareth Southgate's knighthood is in the post and football is coming home. It could be coming home, of course, in a continental sense, not just in the Nations League this summer, but to an English Cup club in the Champions League. I remember in that heyday of Premier League in the last 20 years or so, circa sort of 2007, 2008, it was consistently really expected to see the likes. Bristol City 3, West Brom 0. It's absolutely brutal. Still in the first half, it's a total capitulation. Another goal going in there. Um, I can't think of Bristol City without thinking of Freddie Sears' goal that wasn't given. He was on loan to us and it hit the post, came out again and the ref carried on playing. It was it was awful. 
Ruined his ruined his spell for us, Freddie. Freddie Sears, he was going to be the next big thing. He's at Ipswich now, I think. Freddie Sears, yeah, I think, I I'm think not so. Too sure. He's, I remember him being very, very highly rated as a kid, and it kind of going off the boil. And I think he's been at Ipswich for quite a while. Yeah, he's still still at Ipswich now. And Liverpool are already a goal up in the Champions League. What, what, Wonderful what were you stuff saying for about them. Porto manager diet. No, no, Porto. <laughs> yeah, there was. Well, Pepe was saying he was confident. He was saying we're going to win it for the fourth time, and. He's a fool because Liverpool already scored in the fifth minute. Well, maybe they do a comeback, but it's going to be hard from now on. You'd have thought that's encouraging signs for Liverpool. Naby Keita, the man who got it. He's in good form, having scored at the weekend. He, of course, hasn't had an easy start to life on Merseyside, but it seems to be coming together now for him, actually. And if he's partly responsible for those hard-fought three points against Southampton and also plays a part in knocking Porto out, You'd have thought that sort of counts as a good season, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess so. It really does depend on Liverpool's uh, fans' expectations because going into the season, they were looking forward to it and then he just had them spells where he wasn't really up to it. And But now it's working out and he scored probably one of the most important goals of the campaign in the Champions League mm. Quarterfinal. quarterfinals. Yeah. Hard to take for Porto, actually, because they came flying out the traps. They attacked the cop end early, which is a tough thing to do. Musa Morega, who's in great goal-scoring form in Portugal, flashed an attempt wide. He did have a chance on goal, and to then go 1-0 down. You wonder whether the Porto players will be having a bit of PTSD at the moment, because, of course, Liverpool battered them 5-0 in Porto last yeah. year. And you wonder whether with an early goal like that, it could be a case of the floodgates opening. I mean, it's going to be very difficult um, getting a early goal like that at Anfield. Just, I, I just can't imagine being in Porto's position right now where you just have to come out even more and open up more gaps just so you can get that away goal. And that opens up the opportunity for Liverpool, of course, to go and hit them even more with the space in the defence. So it's going to be a very hard job and I'm confident from now. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a bit Looking, looking too much into it, but I'm confident that Liverpool progress. Did they win the Premier League last year? You Liverpool. No. I thought you were going to say Porto then. No. Yeah, why, why are they in the Champions League? Why have we got three English teams in this <laughs> European competition? It's we got it's four. Four, yeah. Why not? What I was saying earlier about the top six. Why hmm. don't they just go away? former European Super League, so is, and is, let us get on with it. Is that something you'd actually like, though, Nick? Because the the potential for a European Super League was talked about in quite a lot yeah. of depth earlier than this year, where it was leaked that basically mm. various clubs had supposedly been colluding to create one. The problem with that is that it seemed to be being selected basically on reputation rather than on current merit, right? So the likes of AC Milan were included. AC Milan, great club, massive pedigree, fantastic history. Right now, not all that good at football. I think the problem with the European Super League is how do you handle it? How do you select who goes into it initially? How do you handle promotion, relegation? Do you not just then lead to this bigger gap between the, the best and the rest? I don't think there's no prom- uh, there will be any promotion or relegation if it did happen. I think it'll it be, would just be fixed. Yeah, it'll be well, a bit when, like in America how they do it with basketball, football, and everything. Really, how it just be one league and that's it. But then, if you're one of the smaller ones of the big club, say you're say a Roma and you squeak in at the bottom of that Super League, and you can't get relegated, but you just sit there getting spanked by Barcelona every year. Where's the joy in that for anybody? I, I don't know. There'll be some rules. I don't know. I'm just thinking about it 
in NBA fashion where the worst teams get draft to get you know the opportunity to bring in players like quality, yeah quality levels so if something like that is implemented then I guess it could help teams like AC Milan but talking about the Super League in general I don't know it'll be a bit weird just Premier League wouldn't feel the same if you take out the cities and the Uniteds and the Arsenals it's like we've got you always look forward to them fixtures we're looking forward to City on Saturday because we can cause their upset you know look at the victory at the Etihad when we beat them that was fantastic and we just kept going on about it and it gave just a, such a uh, morale but piece to the players. They're the only things that we as a team who are going to continue to finish between 14th and 11th. Um, they're the only chinks of light in a season when we beat Chelsea with a John Terry angle. Yeah, they're brilliant <laughs> moments, but yeah. is that all we've got to look forward to? Well, it's harder for us, of course. We haven't got the resources, which makes it more exciting because in a they're way. They're getting the... the resources because it's the top six always in the European spots where they're getting the extra money it's it's just not an even playing field I mean we've got we've, we've brought in some brilliant players with the TV money so it's not like they're just getting all the money and we're just sitting back and watching them just spend money left right centre of course they're bigger clubs they've got bigger reputation therefore they're you know even commercial value such as kits sold and also stadium prices they've got bigger stadium and everything it, it works at a benefit but then again we've still got Money coming in from TV, hundreds and millions. So it it still works in our favour. It's not like um, it's only the big clubs versus small clubs. It's just harder for us and it's just part of the process. Look at Wolves. They just got promoted and they're potentially going to be in the Europa League next season if they finish top seven. And they're also in FA Cup um, final. So look at... No, no, they're not. Watford are. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, but just look, even Watford, they could finish in Europa League and they're in FA Cup finals. It's just part of the process. You just have to be lucky and also build in the right way. Talking of um, budgets and whatever, did you see the news this week? Palace have finally released their financial um, things. What struck me was how little of our revenue comes from gate receipts. Yeah, and that's why it's so important for us to get this expansion because... We're limited. There's nothing else that we can really do except for charge ridiculous prices, which is not going to happen. And that's why the new, that's why the American owners came into the club just to give us the funds. But then again, I don't know what's going on with them because there was there was that rumor a couple months ago, I think was it a couple months or last month, um, how they wanted out from Paris. And what does that? mean for the future expansion of the new uh, of the new stand yeah, i'm not too sure and this is very big for us it may seem small but the expansion um means a lot for a uh, club like palace we've got the demand there but there's we can't just supply it because there's a waiting list because we haven't got the space for new people to come into the ground that's why the new stadium is very important so with this financial situation, Palace have announced £35 million losses for this year. That is the worst financial result, if you like, of any of the 18 clubs in the Premier League who've released their budgets, if you like, so far. Crystal Palace say this isn't a problem. It's not a big deal. It's no. fine. We're in the Premier League. There's money coming in. Do you think that's true? It, we've, well, if you say we've got the assets, we've got more than £35 million worth of players. So yeah. if the worst comes to the worst... We, we, we can sell them. Um, we haven't really sold anybody anyway. Um, and we've we've bought Sacco in um, 
that's going to affect the budget with the wages as well. So, yeah, we've got we've we've got the assets to cover us. Um, it's it, it's just amazing that we got match day income ten point nine million. When you consider that you get a hundred and seventy two million or whatever it is from from TV rights. But this is this is what's allowing clubs to not treat fans in the way that they should. I've seen it consistently on the Fulham fan show on a Wednesday night from uh, half past eight until ten with Fulhamish, where they're outraged, they're up in arms because well, Fulham... they only get an hour and a half, and we get two hours. Well, there is that, <laughs> but once they've calmed down about the state of their radio show, they're outraged that their club keep amping ticket prices up. And the reason why these clubs are able to behave in this way is because actually, if a couple of people walk out, that's not where the money is coming from. Exactly, they're always going to get money. Um, we saw it couple of weeks on this show where we're talking about season ticket price increase i said it then and i'll say it now it doesn't matter if the club realistically increased their prices because at the end of the day i will still be going to it and you'll be going to it well i'm in an r i'll be honest oh, you're not i'm in an r about whether whether i want to what, it's gonna what, cost me a thousand pound for me and the two kiddiewinkles for the season and, and that's before we factor the kittens in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> smuggle them in, um, <laughs> and it's—I'm just not. I've walked away from the ground four times, happy that we've got a win. I'm just—I know it's, we shouldn't have a right to be entertained, and I know we've been there in the doldrums, and yeah. I've seen us in the third division, and but it's there's. No scope for us to go forward, which is a bit demoralising. I want to come back to this in just a moment. We've got big, big news from New White Hart Lane, which is that Sergio Aguero, normally a consistent goal scorer, cool as you like, has missed a penalty. And in doing so, he's missed a valuable opportunity for an away goal for Manchester City. Fitting that on a show where we should be talking about Luka Milivojevic's so consistent 90.9% penalty conversion rate this season that someone as consistent in front of goal as Sergio Aguero should miss one. Nick, I want to end our chat about finances with a question for you. You said you're umming and ahhing, that it's too much money. Where for you is the threshold where actually you're going to look at the amount the club are charging and go, you know what, thanks, but no thanks. Probably the £1,000. I don't know if it just. I don't know if it justifies it. I mean, it, it works out roughly for me and two others, 40 quid, which isn't bad for an hour and a half. Well, I was going to say the word entertainment. I mean, the, the thing Torture. for me about football is it the, for that 90 minutes... Everything the, goes everything away. Everything goes away completely. Everything. Um, unless the missus calls halfway through. <laughs> In which case, it all comes <laughs> flooding, yeah. back, flooding back. Very, yeah. very quickly. Can you get this on the way home? Yeah, but look. Um, yeah, I, d- I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting a bit jaded with it all because we've been so crap at home this season. No, but I, I think that's a really good point, which is clubs need to not take their fans for granted and actually not assume that you're going to stay engaged simply by virtue of being a fan of a football club. Yeah, I know what you mean, Nick. And let's say you don't renew. With all due respect, there's going to be others that do get in your but place. Th- but that's, and that's exactly the, thing, and that's the problem. My, yeah, that's my, that's my point, though. That's my is the fact that that's why the club wouldn't care as much because there's always there's a waiting list for a reason there's people who want your ticket and it's unfortunate for you but it's a business it is what it is and we're in a Premier League and we just have to pay for it 
I, yeah, I mean, I also know that if I didn't review, I'd regret it immediately. Yeah, and yeah. then you'd have a four-year waiting list to get another season yeah. ticket, probably. <laughs> Unfortunately for now, we are at their beck and call. But coming up, we're at your beck and call, because it's time for your four-word reviews. This is Love Sport. The Crystal Palace fan show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow and DR Kernaz and Nick Gillard of the Back of the Nest podcast. We're going to hear your four-word reviews in just a moment. But first, a word on a certain Mr. Wilfred Zahar. He has won Football for Peace's Philanthropist Award, uh, well-deserved there, and also has commented on his future. He said, my future is at Palace. I'm at Palace, not thinking about anything else. I'm just playing my football, and we will see what the future holds for me. He is a man who's true to his word, but he's also a man who's come quite close to leaving the club before and, of course, has left the club before. Mm. So I don't really know what to take from it. I think he said the right thing. That's that's one thing to look at it. He said, my future's at Palace. I am at Palace. I'm not thinking about anything else. That's a right step. But then you look at the last bit, which I think he just had to say, we'll see what the future holds for me. And I wouldn't be... As surprised if Wilf leaves, I, I still think he will he will stay at the club, um, and we will keep him in the summer. But then again, I wouldn't blame him if he wants to leave because every year fighting for rele- relegation and he's got talent in him, he shouldn't be. He should be playing at a better level. But it's encouraging to see that at least from Wilf. Um, I think all Palace fans will respect him with whatever decision uh, he goes with, whether he wants to stay at the club or leave. But Roy has said this as well. He's still on a contract. We've got him for around five years. Um, so I'm not as worried. But yeah, he said the right thing, really. And do you think he's going to stay, Nick? I'd like him to. Not I'd like the, him not to the be. question I asked. Um, who knows? Who knows in this crazy world we're living in at the moment? Um, he does seem to be a Palace player through and through. Um I think he's mad if he does. I'd love him to, but to see him on a, a bigger stage, um, I think he, he deserves to be somewhere bigger. Um, that said, without him, we are lost. Um, I think he learned a lot from the Man United debacle. It was unfortunate for him, I think, that Ferguson did go, because I think Fer- Ferguson as manager of United would have made something of him um, rather than... Moyes being there. Um, he seems to like us, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> but yeah, I, you mentioned a good point there. I think if Ferguson actually stayed at United, I don't think we would, we would have Zaha right now. But another factor to consider, we're talking about the financial state of the club and how we made a loss of £35 million. Uh, the, club's, um, di- not, the club's commercial director, he, he I forgot, his, I think it's Barrett... I forgot his name anyways, yeah. He said how we got lots of assets and he just he mentioned Zaha and Aaron Wan-Bissaka. So if he does leave, this is a question to you guys. Do you think that we would get the reported 70 million that's asked for? Man United are due some of it, aren't they? Yeah, I think they're due 15%. Yeah, up to a certain amount of money. I suspect you'd get closer to 50 and I w- would we be happy? And that's why I think it really depends on Zaha because Zaha has the power. If Zaha says that he wants to leave, then we're in a very troubling position because we don't really hold 
anything we, we don't have anything because other if, than the long yeah. contract yeah but, but if he, yeah but if he doesn't want to play for us then he he will leave and other clubs will know that and of course they'll say why would we want to pay 70 million when we know that we could get him for around 50 to 40 million and i think that's the most concerning bit for me is the fact Maybe. that if zaha hands in a transfer request then things could get a bit sticky at the club maybe he's been asked to say that just so people don't think that so when they do put a bid in it's going to be a little bit higher because he's just said oh i love my palace i'm yeah, gonna stay yeah, here yeah you you're could gonna look have at... to come in with a pretty good offer to prize me away yeah you could look at it that way as well but who knows <laughs> it's a crazy world that we live in but i'm confident however if you request a transfer transfer request then i think it could be a bit troubling DR's a confident man, but the big question is how confident were Palace's supporters in their performance looking back on the game from the weekend? It's that time of the show when we want to hear your four-word reviews. You've been in touch. We'll have some lovely music. We were caught out last week with some Barry uh, Barry White we had yeah. in them, that, which was wonderful. And then we had Leonard Cohen. And we've gone for Spanish flea today, which is a, a change of tone, but one yeah. that we enjoy. And Mr. Nick Gellard is ready to lead us away with these reviews. Brandon Wallace, who is at Hundula Wallace, Newcastle could not finish. That's true. Nick Sadler, great tactics from Roy. DL's pulled a face there. Um, Goala CPFC. Boom! Glad all over. Zach S is kind of um, with me here. Poor performance, no excuse. Um, Tommy A, one shot all game. Wainwright, not pretty but effective. Red SE25 Blue has gone with the penalty god Luca. Mr. Cabris Parrot, Mr. C Parrot, one of my all-time favourite names. Uh, Newcastle atmosphere is poor. I thought it was meant to be lively up at St. James's Park. Um, London Eagles gone with season after season Wilf. Um, Ebeling underscore J. Um, Over reliance. Is that one word? That, I think. Over reliance. Do we count that, hyphenated? I think hyphenated. Uh, we'll give it on VAR. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. In which case, you're okay to go, Ebo, with over reliance on Luca's pens. He spelt Luca wrong as well. Um, okay. In which case, it's rescinded. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> And uh, thank God for penalty. It comes from Mark Drew. Martin D says, Roy does a Benitez. That's quite true. Ryan Watts, uh, smash and grab win. And I'll finish with CPFC Rob. Usual bleep. Good result. Yeah, well, it's the good result part of that, yeah, which that is matters. the relevant part. It's three points for Palace and some wonderful four-word reviews. We are, of course, all about interaction with you here on the Crystal Palace Fan Show. In just a moment, we'll be hearing your listener questions. And if you'd like to get some in late or even get on the line, that number is 0208 70 20 558, or it's at Lovesport Radio on Twitter. Just before that, a quick update of your scores from the Champions League. It's still Liverpool 1, FC Porto nil at Anfield and it's Tottenham nil, Man City nil at New White Hart Lane. Sergio Aguero has missed a penalty. Shocking scoreline at Bristol City. Bristol City 3, West Brom nil. And in League 1, we've got a quick update for you. And Charlton 
taking on Wickham. It is 1-0 to the Addicts. That's what we like to hear. Pierce giving them the lead in the 35th minute. This is Love Sport. The Crystal Palace fan show here on Love Sport Radio, and we got a goal update for you from Anfield. It's Liverpool 2, FC Porto 0, Roberto Firmino with the second for the Reds, and now we can carry Oh, Johnny's back. Properly. Oh, yeah. Silla Black. I, I, I know, she was, was in the room. Silla Black I, in I the room with somewhere. me. Listener questions, Nick, before I do anything else foolish. Have uh, we got any listener questions? Yeah, I got it from me. Yeah, Go on, oh. oh, yeah. Uh, we got one from Matthew Smith. It was a simple question. He just put top 10 question mark. What do you guys think? Would we get? Do you think we'll get top ten? Not if we play like we did Saturday. But still, we've got some favorable favorable fixtures coming up. Is yeah. the bigger question not the one that you were posing earlier, Nick? In the sense of, does it matter? What What does top ten actually mean? Well, in terms of money, every Premier League position top matters. Top of the mill. Yeah, because you finish where we're in right now, um, as we're speaking. I think we're around twelfth uh, or something like that. So let's say we are twelfth. And then we go top ten. That's an extra four million pounds. It doesn't seem like a lot, but for a club that's lost thirty-five million, <laughs> I think every penny counts. So it'll be a positive like that. But do we think that we could get there? It all depends on other results as well, doesn't it? I mean, West West Ham sort of near us still. We've got who, who's between us and tenth at the moment? Between us and tenth. And what's the points difference? Um, so right now, there's there's that top seven fight uh, w- between Watford and Wolves and who else is fighting for top? So, Everton as well. Everton's fighting for... Those are all kind of involved with Palace. So Palace are 12th on 39 points. West Ham, 11th on 42 points. Watford are 10th. They've got 46 points and a game in hand. So you would have... Th- thought that that's a pretty tough ask isn't it yeah i'd like to finish above west ham that that's my thing i think that's the only realistic thing uh, and brighton brighton going down would be lovely but um even if we uh, some people are talking about not minding losing to cardiff if brighton go down oh, can you can you take that attitude yes 100 percent. i'm sorry <laughs> i know some people weren't part 100 percent. especially if roy's our manager next season i can't i can't Think about facing Brighton for another two games. Two <laughs> one <laughs> no. being yeah. your favourite scoreline. If you think that's unacceptable, Nick, I have the guys from Fulhamish in for the Fulham fan show every Wednesday, eight thirty till ten. And before they played City, this goes back to our conversation at the beginning of the show about you and me being some of the very few people in the nation who aren't Liverpool fans who want the Reds to beat City in the title race. And Fulhamish's hatred of Liverpool and their fans is so intense to the degree where before the City game, they were saying, I hope we get beaten 7 or 8 nil just to help City's goal difference. Why do? Why don't people like Liverpool? I, can't, I don't get it. I think the issue with Liverpool is not to do with the club, the football they play, the ethos or anything to do with that. People get wound up by Liverpool fans because Liverpool fans always do that. We're going to win the treble, yeah, mate. I, yeah, that's why I think it's brilliant. And all of the history and all of that, they do get overexcited. But I think they're entitled to that. I think they're a great historic club. Istanbul is better than anything most of our clubs will ever achieve. No, I think uh, Chris Chris yeah, well, Chris was better than Istanbul. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, with, with Liverpool, I just I think it's just the joke there. You don't want it to win because you can always laugh at them every season because they've managed to bottle it one way or another. So I'm, I'm, if you're asking me right now, 
I'd rather want Man City to win the league rather than Liverpool. I want a club run by a country to lose as many things as possible. I want them to get none out of the quad- quadruple. I'm with you, Nick, and City have actually spent literally have spent more on their defence than the defence budgets of some countries. So, you know, we are we are dealing with a pretty extraordinary financial power there. That's genuinely true. Uh, a score update. Both of those teams are in action in the Champions League. It's Liverpool 2, FC Porto 0 and Tottenham 0, Manchester City 0. Sergio Aguero missing a penalty at New White Hart Lane. DR, do we have a few more questions in? Yeah, uh, we got one from Kevin Steph. Um, he says we are on target to get our highest point tally. Is it really then time to move on on to new management? It's a good point. Who? What? Oh, who would we bring in? Yeah, if you can show me somebody who can convince me that they'd be a good fit at Palace, I'd say yeah, go for it. What about uh, Wag- Wagner, former Huddersfield uh, manager? I feel like this Huddersfield squad. We've seen it. They're not. They just haven't got. Premier League players and they're overachieved last season maybe mm, him coming in maybe I, it's risky I think at this stage now if we get rid of if we get rid of Hodgson it's going to be for one thing for us to try and push on because there's no sense in getting rid of Hodgson and getting someone similar like him because Hodgson many fans will say he will keep us up but the question is will he push us on to the next level which some fans don't want us to go to which I understand to a certain extent because well you were saying as hell what's the point of finishing top 10 that's like the next level like top 10 or top 10 is that the next level the next level is surely 7th isn't it yeah Yeah. at least competing for 7th which I don't know if we can under Hodgson because this season as I said we've been 14th for majority of the season so it really does depend on what the club really want and from my thinking is that they would rather keep Hodgson because, as we said, 35 million loss. Staying in the Premier League means a lot. And just for that fact alone, they would want to keep him. For, but me personally, if I had the option, then I would try and get the best out of the squad because I don't think we're going to be able to keep these group of players for years and years. And if we just get rid of them without not getting the best out of them, that's going to hurt me. What about Benitez? Would you have him? But would he come to Palace? Why would he come from Newcastle's Palace unless he has money to spend, which I doubt, well, not not I doubt, we don't. We we don't have money to spend like that. So if we had money, then fair enough, he would come, but we don't really. So what what makes us different from Newcastle? Yeah, I mean. You, you just have to stand out and we're not really standing out. That's why someone like Wagner, he will ideally come to Palace because he one, he hasn't got a job and two, with the squad we've got is... It's decent, and yeah. he might want to experiment with that. So it really does depend on um, the owners. But in uh, answering the question properly, is it really then time to move on to new management? No, because as you said, we can still achieve our highest points, Ali. But then again, it depends on expectations between the fans and the owners. If we do get somebody else in, hopefully... We'll have a chief scout in place for him, as we alluded to with the Holloway talk earlier. Well, we do. Oh. Yeah, yeah, but Holloway came in and oh, yeah. didn't have one, did he? Yeah, yeah, I listened to that yesterday. That was brilliant. <laughs> just watching YouTube videos, just watching YouTube videos of players and just taking them off, yes or no. I wonder who got um, excluded from that Yeah, list. I don't know. Johnny, you're, you're, you're a neutral. What do, you, what do you think about Hodgson? Do you think we, he should stay? Do you worry that we'd... 
be. And I always go back to Charlton getting rid of Kerbishly because that, mm. that's the one that stands out the most because I found it the most joyous. That's <laughs> it. You know, it's, it, but, you know, that one thing, there are other teams that have managed to push on. Well, I think that, that Charlton example is a really good one, Nick, in the sense that I take DR's point absolutely of perhaps wanting someone a bit more exciting, a bit more youthful, a bit more adventurous and accepting of risk because Roy Hodgson is never going to be any of those yeah. things. He is the safe pair of hands. He's the milk and two sugars. He's, you know, everything that is safe. He's warm brown bread and butter, but he's <laughs> never going to put sriracha on the top of it. The question is, is this a situation be careful what you wish for? And yeah. I really think it is. Palace have tried to get clever with this recently. They went for De Boer, the young, fashionable, cosmopolitan European manager. What happened? No points <laughs> after however many games. Disintegration. He gets sacked. You've still got his signings, the likes of Yaro Riederwald, on the books, not playing. I think you're bang on. I think Palace have players where they could play football in a more exciting way, probably in a more successful way. But they've also got a squad that could be performing significantly less well in this division and could yeah. find itself in trouble. So I agree with you, Dia, in the sense that a David Wagner would be a fantastic appointment and could keep that security but also add a little bit of spice. But I think actually the safe pair of hands is very underrated in modern football and for my money is being underrated by Palace at the moment. Hmm. Maybe it's just, uh, it's been so boring, like some of our performances have been just absolutely awful and it's been so boring. I think that's really I, the thing he, because he gets us a results. As I said earlier on, I, just, I wasn't looking forward to the Newcastle game because I know what, how we're going to play and I know I'm going to be frustrated and it, it turned out to be the case but the result is all that matters which Roy gets us. Well, I was likening their performances to what we put up with when Peter Taylor absolute legend in my eyes because he was playing for the team when I first saw them you know winger in the third division but as a manager such turgid boring football <laughs> alongside Trevor Francis where we had a year, two years of turgid, boring football. And we're getting the turgid, boring football with flashes of absolute brilliance and getting the results. It's it's Palace all over. It's How much more can you take of it? Exactly. Should we go into the next question now? <laughs> <laughs> I like the style. Yeah. Um, so, this is a very long name. Go, go last CPFC 937-309-86. Well, well handled. Well <laughs> handled. Yep. How do we renew and rebuild 2018 to 2020? I guess he meant 2019-2020. Are we in danger if we're, if we're of losing Wilf, Aaron Bissaka, Betchwai, Maya, Ayu? So, what do you guys think? Are we in danger of losing, losing them all? I think we're in danger of losing... I'm not sure about Ayu. Yeah, Betchwai, I think we'll go back. Um, are you? Yeah, I think I has gone as well. Yeah, he's not. He's not. Fit, well, he, yeah. Didn't he have a clause to buy? Well, I, that, well, Roy doesn't clearly clearly rate him as much because now that he's got strikers, are you? Yeah. Where he hasn't really made an appearance for the last couple of games. Maya um, depends how many Drake concerts he goes to. <laughs> if he's um, been to any. no, he hasn't been to any. Apparently, yeah. it was false. Oh, it was false. Oh, yeah. we've just gone. We've just gone with the rumor. And no, we haven't. We haven't. We've it. said. Oh, we've yeah. said. We've said that there was a rumor. And that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Said. Oh no, I don't think he. He was just ill, and it makes sense for him to get sent home because you don't want want it to spread 
spread to the rest of the players and make it worse. Well, I'd have got him to hang around the Newcastle dressing room. Well, <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't box. work like that. <laughs> He's not going to just wait outside Newcastle dressing room and start coughing through the dressing room. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So I, it, going through them players individually. So we talked about Will Freddy, Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I think our intentions are to keep him, and yeah. we will keep him. I'm more fearful of losing Wilf than uh, Wan-Bissaka. But Shuai is a tough one. I think he's done good so far, uh, considering the amount of chances he's got in terms of being isolated in the game. He's been isolated for too many games, in my opinion. So I don't know. And Maya, it really depends on what he wants, if he's actually frustrated or not. So there's another thing to consider. Let's say we do lose all these players. Is we have money to spend as well. It's not like if we lose all these players, if we lose Wilf, if we lose Aaron Wan-Bissaka and Maya, is that we're all doomed. We're doomed to a certain extent, but it depends on how good we spend the money from them players if they do leave. Because if we spend it good, then it might not be the end of the world. Of course, it will hurt us to lose Wilf and Wan-Bissaka and I don't think it will hurt many people to lose Maya, but some people don't rate him. But still, we're going to get money. So it really depends on how the club will spend it. I don't think it's all doom and gloom if we do end up getting rid of some of the players listed. Mm. Yeah. Well, all of those players will need to be at their best when Crystal Palace are on the pitch next because it's Man City, just the small task of Man City, currently nil all with Spurs in the Champions League. And coming up, we'll be talking about how Crystal Palace should approach that game. This is Love Sport. You are listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. A quick update for you from the Champions League. It is still Tottenham nil, Manchester City nil. Sergio Aguero missing a penalty, shockingly, at New White Hart Lane. And Liverpool 2, FC Porto nil. It's looking like a comfortable night for the Scousers. But if you had to pick a winner coming up to half-time in Spurs, Man City, what do you think... How how's it gonna go? Oh, um who would I want to win? Um we I think it'll be City, but I don't know who will progress. As you said, Aguero missed a very good chance. So it's it's going to be an interesting game. I think so far right now they've been pretty much um you know, just two two London clubs going at two two London, two England clubs going at it. And either way, I I as you can see, I really don't know which way. I want City to win it, but I don't really know which way it could go. It could go both ways. I've just seen something come up on um, my phone, uh, just looking at the game, looking for some stats. The live win probability. Tottenham, 20% possibility of winning the game, the way it's going. Man City, 37% possibility of winning the game with a 36% possibility of it being a draw. Um, but Tottenham are the team having all the shots. Yeah, and by all accounts, Tottenham doing really, really sterling work in defence as well. Musa Sissoko, who's been a changed man this season, storming around, impressing, winning the ball, pinning back that star-studded City side. Easy for me to say. And (laughs) that is, of course, the next challenge for Crystal Palace. It's taking on the likes of Aguero, who won't be missing a penalty next time. Possibly Mahrez, (laughs) possibly Sane, Sterling. So much depth, so much talent. And we were talking about the safe hands of Roy Hodgson. They're going to need to be very safe indeed. How should he approach it? Well, I've been been coating him a little bit in the last segment of the programme. <laughs> but I will say, he's always 
tactically outthought um, Pep. Sit Pep, yeah, City, hasn't he? Yeah. Last year with the nil-nil, they yeah. they didn't yeah. come near us. We beat them when we beat them three two. All right, we have had other results where we've lost four or five nil and <laughs> yeah. whatever. But he does seem to tactically know what to do against them. Exactly. We don't really know what's going to go on. It could be City come at us and we could end up losing five nil, which I highly doubt because at home we're not that bad. We tend to lose five nil away from home against City, <laughs> so we've got that Small positive. Yeah, exactly. We've got that got that positive, but. As Nick has said, Roy's done a pretty good job as much as we criticise him. Against City, um, the result at the Etihad was huge considering we're 1-0 down and we still managed to win that game away from home. So I really don't know what to expect. Now now we've had the shackles of relegation. I mean, it's still mathematically possible that we can go down. I mean, if we go down now, there's... uh, (sighs) But could that free us a bit? I mean, I I kind of expected Huddersfield to, to turn over Leicester. At the Did weekend, you? simply because they've they've that stress and they can just go out and play now. They know their fate. But it's different. But obviously, it didn't work because they're not very good. Why go that hard for so much? But no, it's just because they're the, they're at the bottom. Um, I don't know whether that would affect us psychologically, knowing that we're we're safe. Would it make us a bit more adventurous? Because we've been when we've played Chelsea at home. We were very, very cagey and afforded them way too much possession. And when we did get the ball, we didn't seem to know what to do with it. But other teams, we, we've gone right at them. I think if we go at City, we're better off than trying to sit back and um, keep the damage down. I think that's a very good point. It certainly worked for the likes of Wolves earlier in the season. In terms of the rest of this campaign for Palace, this is a cynical thing to say. It's a sceptical thing to say, and in many ways, it's a horrible thing to say. But is there a case for leaving those shackles firmly on? Is there a case for, as a club, underperforming, not putting the likes of Aaron Wambisaka, who we have established is average, uh, and (laughs) Wilfred Zaha in the shop window? Because we're here going, listen, we need to hang on to these guys. If they excel in a few games that actually, if we're honest, aren't drastically Mm. important that could lead to them leaving the club before the games next season, which are going to have a lot riding on them. I mean, we were being tortured enough for home games, so I would rather they played because I can't, I can't face... We, well, we can't face City simply without our strongest well, as, lineup. As James said last week, and I kind of agreed with him, he might have been agreeing with me, he lost one show and now he's in Tenerife. I know, I saw that. It looks very nice. I mean, yeah, what's our luck? Why can't we go to <laughs> the... You, you were on the underground. Yeah, <laughs> I was on the underground for one hour. Um, I do want to see him play. James? He, uh, no. Um, <laughs> First flight back <laughs> yeah. to Tenerife. I mean, love centre yeah. half yeah. against City. AWB, the average wing back. Average, average wing, wing back. back. Excellent. <laughs> um, That's brilliant. <laughs> the average wing back, because um, he's so to watch and you know, no he's not he's average my... he's oh. average pep is listening yeah, exactly. he's stopped watching his own team in champions league action still nil nil against spurs <laughs> he's listening to the palace fan show on love sport radio and you cannot let him know how good the average wing back actually is okay fair enough no <laughs> but I, I think we've got enough players to be able to take it to city it's just whether roy's got the the bottle to do that i think liverpool will be upset with us if we did decide not to play Zaha and Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I know we don't really care. They can be upset as much as they want. 
But then again, I think the fans deserve a performance at home. I've just, every home game I go to, like even though where we pick up results and win games, I just come out saying, "Oh, what just what just happened for ninety minutes? It was not that exciting. What, what was that? We won, but it didn't it didn't feel like a win. So I'd rather go there and um, against City on Saturday and just give it all we got with the best players possible." The message from you two is clear. Let's give it a right good go. And coming up, we'll talk about the best eleven to do that. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and Nick Gillard and DR Kernaz of the Back of the Nest podcast. City up next. We've decided that the best way to handle them is to try and play them at their own game or at the very least get in their faces. With that in mind, who are the players who should be featuring, who have to start for Palace? Start at the back. Start at the back. Well, I think the back line is pretty much set. No, I mean, oh, Hennessy or Gaeta? Oh, come on, Nick. <laughs> I thought you were banned yeah, exactly. from talking about oh, Wayne Hennessy. Yeah. yeah, so <laughs> the only questionable thing, of course, is that Sam with Scott Dan, which I think it will be Scott Dan. As I mentioned, it'll be, I think it'll be a bit too harsh to put Sam Woods against Man City, who are eager to win the Premier League. And left-back position, Patrick Van Aanholt. Even though start there. Rubbish. Yeah, but there's, there's not enough competition there. Yeah, It's just simple as that. And I don't know if you guys discussed it, but it might be a position where we may have to look at it in the summer. Just could, could Wan-Bissaka play left back? And I think he play anywhere. I mean, yeah, yeah. Wan-Bissaka then put Ward in at right back. Yeah, but then again, who's, PVA isn't that bad, I think, to be going. Mm. like to, It would be dropping PVA basically for, for Joel Ward. I feel like Joe Ward's a decent squad player, but I don't. I think his days are gone by. Like he hasn't really got it in him anymore. Perhaps I, I am looking forward to seeing City's finest try and uh, get past one Bissaka now. Oh yeah, well they tried it before. Their wingers yeah, won't Sane. like him. Yeah, Sane didn't like him. But the worry yeah. surely is that the manager will like him and will come calling in the summer. Yeah, just yeah. I don't know. I I don't want to look too far ahead, but yeah, I think that's a backline sorted. And then in midfield. I'd want to see Cheko Kyoto start. Yes, definitely. Be- because we need someone who's physical, box-to-box player, and he is that player. I'm surprised that he didn't start against Newcastle. Um, in my eyes, he should be one of the first few names in the team sheet every week because of what he brings onto the pitch, which I think at times goes under under the valued, window, yeah. Yeah, mm. valued by mm. some fans. Um, they actually don't notice how good Kriate is for this team and the way he offers so I'll go with Kriate and then of course Lucas and Avasata and then I don't know Schlapp or James McArthur because I, he's not going to start Max Meyer is he even though against when we were away from home he did start Max Meyer and we won that game 3-2 and Max had a very good game but I still don't think he would start Max well, so, well, he might do if he's played well against him before yeah I'm just not hopeful anymore of Max Hine. I've just <laughs> lost all hope in Max it's just getting Good run out. So I think it'll be like Jeffrey Schlupp or, well, realistically, I think it'll be Jeffrey Schlupp and James McArthur who start, but I want Kiata to start. But if you were to ask me either James McArthur or Jeffrey Schlupp, I'd rather have Jeffrey Schlupp start ahead of James McArthur because he has that one or two runs who can be good on his day. And if it is his day, then it'll be good for us. And then up front, it's, it's a bit interesting. I don't know about you guys, but Ben Tekken about Shoy, I think it's a good shout. Something different. Do you think Royal do it? I mean, it calls for a system change. You're probably looking at a 4-4-2. You'd you'd want Ben Turkey and 
either Maya or Wilf playing off of him. I think we got we got we've got to be looking forward. I don't know whether they think it's bad value not to play Batshuayi because of the loan fee. But we we've got to look forward to next season. So yeah. I'd, I'd start with Benteke, maybe bring Batshuayi on as an impact, because um, they are different players. But we just look so different when Benteke's on, even though he's not scoring. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, exactly. But I mean, Benteke just like Scott Dan, it was a very like just mentally and physically. Do you think uh, he could last the ninety minutes? Who Benteke? Yeah, I'm not too sure. That's the one another thing to consider as well. Is he hundred percent fit? Because he came back. Of course, he's had that couple of games. He started. He started at a home game. I remember. And oh, he was against. He got subbed off at the sixtieth minute. Apparently, he was meant to only play forty five minutes, but yeah. he was having a good game. I can't remember who it was, but he started that home game against. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> against. I don't know. That's the team's name. Um, so I don't know if he's ready to start. But then again, I'll take my time with Benteke. Just maybe take it, you know, let him come off the bench a bit earlier rather than start the game because he has been good coming off the bench. City are still tied 0-0 with Spurs in the Champions League, of course. And if they get a bad result tonight, that will be a surprise. They've been tipped as comfortable favourites. Would you be wary from a Palace point of view of getting that kind of whiplash, that whip back of City being like, well, hang on a minute, we've had a bad result. Let's go and take it out on poor old Palace. Not really. I think City are just, just look at the league table. City want to win the league. They want to win everything. They think it's impossible, but they'll still want it. So it's just a simple fact of that. City may win 5-0 against Tottenham and still thrash us 5-0, or they may lose 5-0 and still go with the mentality that they want to be us 5-0. I don't think City's mentality really changes on the result with Tottenham. So I'm not really looking into that. The only The only sort of bright outlook I can see is we've got form for upsetting other teams title chances um, I mean, you'll be good yeah. before you'll Liverpool be, and you can have a I don't know how would a City stumble I don't how would that work <laughs> City oh, stumble I, I don't know we would call it Chris stumble Sixthamble, I think probably. Sixthamble, yeah. That's not a position you want to find yourselves in, is it? To be three goals down at half time. That, I don't think that can't be the end. I'm not. I'm not really. As I said, I'm not really worried about City putting three, five goals um, past us as much because we tend to be solid at home defensively. Just we we struggle to score goals, so it's just more about can we score that goal to break City down and open up the game a bit more. I'm not too sure if we can because they've got so much talent in the team. Well, with that in mind, it's that time of the show when I need to press you for your score predictions. DR, you're saying you're confident that it won't be three or four for City. What kind of scoreline do you think we're talking about? Oh, we're talking about something like 2-0 City instead of 3-4. 2-0 City. He's an optimistic man, sort of. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I know we'll lose, but I'll still be gutted even though I know they're much better than us. But I think we'll lose 2-1. 2-1. So Nick's backing you for a goal. It could, of course, be a turn up for the books. It was at the Etihad. And you'll have to join us next week on the Crystal Palace Fan Show to find out how they get on. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter.
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.